Stand Up for the Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up for the Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you for tuning in. We've got a great guest today and talking about a phenomenal book, Game of Gods, by Carl Teichrib. And so much to cover. Uh, we'll be discussing the United Nations Global Governance Forum. It was a conference built around the UN's 75th anniversary. And of course, uh, Carl's book, Game of Gods, it's a massive detailed resource for you on world religions and uh, just really what's happening uh, worldwide. It's just really an amazing book. So uh, let's get right to it. Father, thank you for giving us this chance to talk about what's happening outside of our church walls and even outside of our country. And uh, Lord, help us to recognize the threat of this one world push, this global push against the the exclusivity of Christianity. Father, help us to recognize and know how to respond. Help us be like the men of Issachar who understand the times. Give us wisdom, Lord. We know you promised to give generously to those who ask. And with all that's going on in our country, Lord, with the elections and the political division, it it seems like we get too uh, focused on just us. But Lord God, there's so much happening with Israel and the Middle East and the United Nations and uh, globalism and everything else, Lord. So help us open up our uh, eyes today, open the eyes of our heart, and uh, help us to get insight into some of these things. And Father, inform us and challenge us today from that biblical worldview. We love you. We thank you for the truth. We thank you that we can stand on the inerrancy of Scripture and have full confidence in your promises, in your return, and everything we need for life and godliness. You give it to us so we can live right now effectively as Christians in this day and age. In Jesus' name, amen. Our guest, Carl Teichrib, he's authored specialized reports, books, and over 200 articles and essays on globalization and also many subtopics. He is, the, he is a conference speaker and the author of this massive book, Game of Gods, and he's given lectures across North America. He lives in Western Canada with his wife and children, Carl, thanks for connecting with us this morning on Stand Up for the Truth, brother. Hey, it's good to be back with you, David. So much to talk about today. I was uh, listening to a video that uh, you were doing, well, you did a recent presentation with the Brian Call, I believe, about all these different world uh, parliaments you've gone to, all these different interfaith meetings, all the the speakers that you mentioned, some fascinating information and I'm going to probably steal your notes one day for a presentation down the road. So thank you for your research. If you're going to steal, steal, steal from the best. That's one of my uh, mottos. So thanks, Carl. <laughs> and uh, quote your book. Like you like that? <laughs> but um, th- thanks for all the work that you do. You, you physically travel around the world going to some of these um, parliaments, some of these meetings, some of these uh, conferences, and um, some... In that video, some quotes caught my eye from, who is it, Marianne Williamson and uh, who oh, else? Yeah, yeah some, some others. But anyway, let's talk about the UN Global Governance Forum. And wherever you want to go today, 
to help inform our listeners and our audience and, and to recognize and understand what's happening outside of the evangelical church here in America or the denominational church and this true threat. We know there's a true political threat of globalism, of socialism, of communism, and a lot of that is you know through the United Nations against America, but we're talking about this religious threat, all these systems and religions and isms that we are so unfamiliar with. That's why we have you come on and share some of these things. Well, I appreciated what you said up front. There are so many things happening around the world right now. Yes, we're all focused on the U.S. elections. We're focused on what is happening in the United States. As you know, I'm from outside the U.S. I live in Canada. But there are a multitude of movements and campaigns and events that have taken place this year that really haven't gained much attention mm-hmm. within the within the Christian world that will affect, certainly affect how uh, we move forward and, and how things are, are moving towards one world. Uh, back in September, September 16th to the 17th, was the Global Governance Forum. Mm-hmm. And that was built around the United Nations' 75th anniversary. This year is the UN's 75th year in its existence. And so there's been a lot of of international celebrations, a lot of meetings, many conferences and summits, almost all of it built in the virtual space because of COVID. And the discussion then being, what does... Pardon me, what does global governance look like as we move forward? And so there's a few a few events worth highlighting. <clears throat> Pardon me, I've got a oh, sudden tickle in my throat here. But it goes back all the way to May. This last May, we had the UN 2020 Virtual Conference, which brought together uh, international non-government organizations working for global governance, looking at the COVID and the climate situation, bringing them together and saying, look, we need to develop a stronger, more robust United Nations. And then in in late June, June 20th to the 27th was World Unity Week, where organizations as diverse as the Parliament of World Religions to the Baha'i international community to World Federalist and World Government groups, uh, they were all meeting and holding virtual conferences about how they need to, we need to build a better, uh, a better kind of a, a global system, a better uh, system of global governance. And, and the terminology, David, that you heard, even from, from the political to the religious side, was we have to build back better. Mm. That's the common phrase. We're building back better. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Um, that's the common phrase. I think I saw that in a, in a Joe Biden campaign ad. Are you saying you, you heard that at this um, governance, global governance forum? Oh, yeah. Build Back Better wow. is, is a U.N. phrase. It's wow. the U.N.'s term. Uh, and it's been in circulation, David, for for uh, quite some time within the U.N. relief agents, within U.N. relief agencies, but uh, it's been adopted. It was adopted. That phraseology was adopted early this year as uh, the United Nations and the global governance community was looking at the COVID crisis and saying, um, we, we basically need some type of rallying slogan or rallying campaign uh, language that we, can, that we can now use to say 
we're looking at, at moving forward, empowering the United Nations, empowering global systems, empower, empowering multilateralism. And so the phrase build back better uh, was birthed out of, out of the United Nations uh, community. And so when, when you're talking about Joe Biden and the Democrat campaign using Build Back Better, hey, listen, I, I'm a Canadian. I, I can't vote Republican or Democrat. I can't vote in the <laughs> system at all. Uh, <laughs> but when you're voting for the Democrats, you're voting to build back better in terms of the international system. You're, you're, you are definitely voting towards global governance. Well, define better, right? Hey, Carl, do they see, so from the United Nations perspective, do they see Christians, uh, Israel, America, Donald Trump, do they see all of these as threats? Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, I I didn't take part in every one of the virtual events that were happening around the UN 2020 campaigns, but I did manage to go to a few in the virtual world. And repeatedly, America, and not just America, but, but the global movement towards nationalism, whether it's Brexit, whether it's the United, pardon me, whether it's the, uh, uh, whether it's the United States, uh, whichever na- national platform is, is kind of on the stage, that, that, that's a terrible place to be. Nationalism is horrible. Over and over again, we were told nationalism is the problem, extremist nationalism. Mm. Um, And what we are requiring instead is a new system of world unity. Uh, We're all in this together. That was the language given repeatedly. But yes, the United States, those who are seeking uh, nationalism, uh, capitalism and free market, that's also a problem. Uh, Israel would definitely be considered a problem because it embraces nationalism as well, uh, especially within a, 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 a context where the United Nations has historically and still comes against Israel repeatedly. So these are the things that are going on while we're all wrapped up in our own bubbles, in our own little world. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the global system is moving forward. Yes, we tend to be so, uh, I think it's human nature to be so self-focused or your own life, your own needs, your own family. Um, and and it's, it's hard when we realize some of this has been going on for years and years and years. In that presentation, I know I'm flipping back and forth, Carl, bear with me, from the uh, United Nations 75 uh, Global Governance Forum to uh, your book, Game of Gods, uh, to the presentation that you gave to the Berean Call, uh, but you quoted this 1893 Parliament of World Religions, 1893. It was at the Chicago World Fair, and I'm going to just share that quote, and you can take this wherever you want to go, just reminding sure. people, letting people know how long this has been around and a movement, and it's infiltrated America, and they're not going to stop. We are in the way, we meaning the United States, North America, the religion of the future will be universal in every sense. Now, this was 1893. The religion of the future will be universal in every sense. It will embody all the thoughts and aspirations and virtues and emotions of all humanity. It will draw together all lands and peoples and kindreds and tongues into a universal brotherhood of love and service it will establish upon earth a heavenly 
order, end quote. I hear that, Carl, and most of the people that are listening right now are going, wow. So they're trying to set up a different kingdom with small g gods, and this was 1893. Go ahead and just share your thoughts on this. This is all about building that kingdom of heaven on earth now. Hmm. And the 1893 Parliament was essential in that it became a tipping point. Uh, The 1893 Parliament helped to cement within the religious world the idea of creating a better global order, a heaven on earth, a unified world system. The 1893 Parliament was was monumental towards that end. And it shaped not just simply the religious world, but it shaped the political world as well. It had a tremendous influence, and it still does. The next uh, Parliament of World Religions took place in 1993. Now, I didn't attend, but it took place in Chicago. I have had I have friends who had gone to it. Uh, and then after that, there was a series of parliaments that have been ongoing every three to five years. I attended the one in 2015. And then I attended the 2018 Parliament, which took place in Toronto. The 2015 Parliament took place in Salt Lake City. Uh, and both of those, it was, it was interesting because it was about a three- or four-year difference between the two, um, three-year difference between the two. And, and, the, and the language had kind of was shaping around, we need to move away from the idea of unity now to harmony. Before it was always, we need to unify, unify, unify. Now it's going, no, hold on. It's not so much about we're unifying. Rather, you can keep your religious traditions as long as it's not not vocalizing the exclusivity of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And you can keep your Hindu traditions, and you can keep your Muslim traditions, but now we'll find harmony in that each one of our various diverse religions will work for a common good. Mm-hmm. will work to save the planet. And at the 2018 Parliament, but one of the closing speeches uh, was given by the executive director of, of, of the Parliament, and he was adamant that what we were doing was saving the Earth. And by saving the Earth, we save ourselves. And this is probably one of the most important takeaways, whether you attend an event like the Parliament of World Religions, or whether you monitor what is happening at the United Nations, this is probably the most important takeaway. Both of those sides, the religious and the political, are both saying the exact same thing. And what they're saying is this, we save the earth. Hmm. We save ourselves. This is literally an alternative salvation message. It has a messianic overtone. It has its own dogmas and doctrines. Mm. It has its own priesthoods. It really is an alternative religious political faith. In fact, in my book, chapter 11 is dedicated completely to the, the issue of world order, because I've been to a lot of UN and global governance events. Uh, quite a while ago, I used to spend a lot of time at world government events, and I'm not talking about just, you know, uh, Christian groups talking about what world government might look like from a prophetic angle. No, no, these are, this, this is a secularist movement uh, that, that is all about we need to create a world government when, when the timing is right. Hmm. And then chapter 12 in Game of Gods, I talk about spiritual politics, interfaithism, you know, the parliament of world religions, and how ultimately this is political. But here's a statement from Jean Stapleton, uh, the actress. 
And this is a statement she gave uh, in her endorsement for the World Federalist Movement. Now, the World Federalist Movement is the largest world government lobbying and advocacy organization. And this is what she said. Now, keep in mind what I just said a few moments ago about this being an issue of salvation. Here's her quote. The goal of the World Federalist is peace through unity of government. We must support their vision of oneness in diversity, for it is the salvation of humanity. Hmm. Wow. <laughs> Unbelievable. Um, Carl, I'm looking at page 377 in Game of Gods. That's chapter 11 that you just referenced. And it says, who, who will save us from annihilating ourselves? World government, of course. Right. This is amazing. And, of course, this— what goes hand in hand with this, what we're seeing today, um, not just the cult of the New World Order, but this environmentalist movement, the push to focus on the earth, environmentalist, the um, global warming movement. Um, it's interesting, you quoted a couple other people in, now this is not in your book, but in this presentation, I want to just share a couple quotes from, this one's by Chief Paulette. What is sin? The greatest and biggest sin that man can make is to abuse Mother Earth. And then Marianne Williamson, who was a candidate running for the Democratic Party, the ticket for the nomination, Marianne Williamson, New Ager, she said, quote, A divine goddess is not just beautiful, she's fierce. And when you mess with her babies, you mess with her Earth. She's had enough, and we're here on her behalf. And you know what to do, go do it. So what does she mean, we're here on her, her behalf? Does she mean that movement that she's talking about is fighting for environmentalism, for Mother Earth? Absolutely. This is, this is the language that is repeated at events like this, that we, we, these organizations, these campaigns, these movements, we are here as the representation, the moral. We have the moral and ethical duty we are responsible as global citizens to ensure that we represent Mother Earth, that we represent our evolution, that we represent uh, what the world needs. And so here's an example. Uh, the high-level uh, high United Nations uh, event that took place on September the 21st had as their theme, the future we want. Well, nobody asks you, David. Nobody asked me. Uh, now, the United Nations uh, has, over the last number of months, had a global campaign where they've been doing questionnaires and, and surveys. What do people want? And a lot of non-government organizations have been a part of that, asking, what do we want? And so they put it upon themselves. This is what we, you, David, what your audience needs. This is what I need. This is what the world needs. And what they do is they frame it in such a way that they are the visionaries. They are the gatekeepers. They're the ones who know best. That's why you have groups like the Elders, which is a, 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 an organization of high-level statesmen. And they're called the Elders. You can look them up. Hmm. And, the, and the Elders have been very much a part of some of these United Nations global governance meetings. And the Elders are there to say, hey, we represent the direction the earth should be moving to. We represent the direction the planet should be going towards. And as Christians, we all look at this and we're going, well, you know, this is, this is all 
uh, you know, political games, big political games, or high-minded, high-minded gobbledygook. And it sounds like that. Yeah. Again, keep in keep in mind, this is a messianic salvation message that they're pushing, and they're doing this because they believe that they create heaven on earth. And we're going to talk more about that when we come back with Carl Tykrib on Stand Up For The Truth. Keep it right here. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Our guest, Carl Tykrib, author of Game of Gods, and uh, he went to the uh, UN 75-year anniversary Global Governance Forum. It was a, a virtual event, and... Um, I've got this printout of all these different uh, su- t- topics, subtitles, all these different things. It's just an, an amazing, I mean, I've learned so much, and I thought I was somewhat informed. But, Carl, people right now obviously have an appetite for politics. So I want to quote um, the radical reverend Jim Wallace from a couple years ago. And he really um, basically said, those who support Donald Trump are demonic or are demons. He said the elections at that time, that was the midterm elections. He said elections are a battle between angels and demons. And so on this slide that you have from the 2018 Parliament of World Religions in Toronto, no room for exclusive religious claims, time to end separating faiths, exclusive truths are taboo, and as you mentioned earlier, the uniqueness of Jesus Christ is divisive. So we can't have Jesus or the gospel, the true gospel, allowed. So this is like a tolerant uh, parliament, parliament of world religions, except for they do not tolerate Christianity. <laughs> well, you know, the 2018 <laughs> parliament, its theme was the promise of inclusion and the power of love. It sounds so great, <laughs> yes. doesn't it, David? Yes, in theory. It's so wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the subtitle of their theme was Pursuing Global Understanding, Reconciliation, and Change. It all sounds so lovey-dovey. <laughs> and yet there was not a lot of lovey-dovey when I was at the Parliament. Jim Wallace was one of the keynote speakers. His speech was angry. It was there was venom in his speech. It was at the now keep in mind this was during the U.S. midterm elections. That's that that corresponded with Parliament of World Religions, and so Jim Wallace equated this as being an election between angels and demons. If you're on the Democrat side, you're part of the better angels. If you're on the Republican side, Donald Trump has woken up the the demons. That's the language. That's what was being said. It was as bold and blatant as that. Mm -hmm. And he talked about how the evangelical, American evangelicals, have given up Jesus for political power. It was raw rhetoric, so much so um, that when we were talking to some of the different uh, volunteers and, and just the people that we were rubbing shoulders with during the course of that week, we would bring up Jim Wallace's speech. And I remember, I remember in one discussion with one of the volunteers, she felt ashamed because even though she didn't support Trump and she wasn't, uh, she wasn't, uh, you know, supportive of the Republican or uh, conservative side at all, she recognized that the language was so hateful, it was so argumentative hmm. that it set such a bad tone. Now, 
David, this wasn't the only example at the 2018 Parliament. At the 2018 Parliament, we were told repeatedly that nationalism, again, is the problem. The free market economy is the problem. That the Republican, Trump, right-wing Americans, you're the problem. Of course. We were told this repeatedly. A really disturbing um, artistic example of this was in the hallway during the course of the week, a Baptist minister, uh, she had, she had uh, utilized a Buddhist sand mandala art technique, and that's where you take grains of colored sand and you, and you push the sand all into a big picture. And so she had made a picture of the Hindu deity Kali, Kali, the, the deity of death and destruction, mm-hmm. holding the severed, bloodied, severed head of Justice Kavanaugh. And then around Kali's belt, uh, belt were the severed heads of those who had confirmed Kavanaugh. Wow. And I've got pictures of it, David. I, I was there for... for um, the little ritual they did when they symbolically destroyed the art piece as a way of symbolically destroying Kavanaugh, destroying Trump, destroying all that this stands for. And I've got, the little, I've got a video of it, and you can hear them chanting, uh, Kali, Kali, Kali. Hmm. Again, this is a Baptist minister using a Buddhist sand art technique hmm to create an image of the Hindu deity of death and destruction um, annihilating Justice Kavanaugh, all in the name, of course, of the power of inclusion, uh, well, <laughs> the power of love, the promise of inclusion. Yeah, we know um, they might go by the name Baptist, but we know who their true God is, and it certainly isn't Jesus Christ. If they are bringing in Buddhism and talking about hate and and symbolizing people with severed heads that are on the right, Christians or Republicans. Um, It's astounding to me the hypocrisy of this, Carl Teichrib, that the theme of this Parliament of World Religions in Toronto was the promise of inclusion and the power of love. They mentioned oneness of humanity, and yet, you you know, you have, you know, like Jim Wallace and others speaking there, just really being um, intolerant of true biblical Christianity, of conservatives, of Republicans. And it just it is amazing that more people don't say, wait a minute. I mean, true, honest, sincere people who are there to really promote inclusion. That means they love all people. Right. So th- for those people, I know there were some there at ev- probably every one of these uh, Parliament of World Religion conferences. Um, do, do you hear other people comment or speak out? Boy, boy, I didn't like the tone of that because it seems so uh, political. Keep in mind, the majority of people who attend events like this uh, already kind of are on the same page regarding a progressive religious and progressive political agenda. Okay. There are some who there are some who come. And, and the event, the, these events are, are large. Like the 2018 Parliament had about 8,500 people. The 2015 Parliament I attended had over 10,000 people. And so you can't speak for everybody because obviously you're going to have a multitude of different positions and, and perspectives. Um, in 2018, I, I was with a small group. Likewise, again, 2015, we were with a small group of evangelicals who were there. 
uh, both to monitor what was taking place, doing research, but also to do some outreach, just talking to people. Because mm-hmm. at events like this, every 10 feet you talk to somebody who has a different perspective, who, who's trying to tell you about their faith. And so we use this as an opportunity to do Christian outreach at the same time, doing research. We met one guy, uh, uh, this is at the 2018 event, one individual who is part of a, a an Eastern religion, and he was an American, um, though he lives in, in the, I believe it was in Vietnam, and uh, uh, we were talking to him about different things, and, and all of a sudden the subject of politics comes up, and he was kind of like, shh, don't say anything, but because he already could tell that we were more conservative. He was like, shh, don't say anything, but I'm a Trump supporter. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> That's funny. Like, what are you doing here, man? <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's, it's so deceptive from the title of it to the theme to the just what they put out, the image they put out as being compassionate and loving of all people, and they really are not. Some of these progressives are some of the most intolerant people I've ever heard. Um, and I want to go back to something you said in the first segment, very important, that they believe or they are pushing this as a means to salvation. In other words, the gospel, and you've got to remove the Bible and Christianity and the true plan, God's the one true living God and his plan and purpose for salvation by his son, Jesus Christ, and faith in him alone. And they want to remove any exclusivity, like you said earlier, and push this interfaith uh, vision of the UN. We're global citizens. We're all connected. I think I heard in that presentation you uh, gave, Carl, something about uh, someone said, that they are one with the earth or, or one with each other because we're all connected. So how can there be an exclusive gospel when we are one with nature? So nature has to be saved, too. Did I paraphrase that correctly? Yes. You hear this type of rhetoric, this type of, of language repeatedly. This is, And this goes back, again, to what I had said earlier, that this is a salvation message. They're, they are peddling and pushing their own messianic salvation message. Here is why uh, the rhetoric against conservatives, against evangelical Christianity, against nationalism, against the free market, this is why this rhetoric comes into play so often. It's this. Those, those uh, things that I just described, evangelical Christianity, nationalism, the free market, those are viewed as separating, as exclusivist in nature. And because it's exclusivist in nature, what you are representing through those is a counterclaim to their vision of salvation. In other mm. words, we have two opposing views of how the world will be saved. Mm. The Christian evangelical view is God will be doing it. The progressive left vision is man does it. Mm. And so... The reason that they hate us, and they do, they do hate us. I mean, I've heard the language. It, mm. It's 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 very very um, abrasive at times. Sometimes it's very flowery, but other times <laughs> it's very abrasive. Um, is because we stand in the way of their vision coming to fruition. Mm-hmm. We stand in the way of salvation. We stand in the way of their messianic vision. 
And so we have to become enemies. Now, the Christian evangelical side doesn't look at them and go, you're in the way of salvation, because salvation comes from outside of us. Hmm, good point. But in their worldview, salvation comes internally. It comes from us. So anybody who is opposing that message, any worldview that opposes that approach is automatically um, an enemy. It's in conflict. Yep, and we need to remember, obviously, our struggle is spiritual. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but boy, Carl, is it ever being played out in the realm, in the physical realm now. A couple quotes about this path of salvation. There's a cardinal that said, pursuing interdependence, uh, one world, with a common plan, a uh, Swami said, we, the peoples of the world, need to unite and demand a world government and a world parliament based on an earth constitution, right? So automatically remove the Bible, remove the constitution of the United States. And then another guy said, we have to resist those who would be against us. And that's what you're talking about, Carl. We are all enemies. It's not just Donald Trump. It's not just those who believe in the Constitution in America and the free markets. It's not just Republicans. It's not just Christians. It, well, whoever you are, if you're in any one of those groups, they say, how, well, how do they resist us? They are against us, right? How do they resist us? So they want control, and it's really kind of frightening. I want to talk about the United Nations, but before I do that, uh, your thoughts on your final thoughts on this path to salvation and some of these people that really put out this forceful um, goal of this one world government and uh, this world parliament and an earth constitution. Well, keep in mind, they believe this. This is this is for them um, what gives purpose, what gives meaning. And they're very sincere in this. Mm-hmm. There's there's a level of sincerity, passion, uh, a level of of uh, even urgency in bringing this about. Now, it doesn't mean it's going to happen the way that they envision it, but it sure sets the tone for the direction that we're going, doesn't yes, it? Yes. Um, Carl, they closed that 2018 Parliament uh, by saying, and I got this from your presentation. It says, the closing statement, thanks to all of those who are committed to the salvation of the earth. And that was the executive director of this parliament. What do they mean by that? (laughs) That we are. The work that we, and when I'm saying we, those who are involved in in this movement of global governance and and the progressive salvation of, of the planet, we are the ones who are in charge of meaning and destiny. We are the ones who are building heaven on earth. We are the ones who are finding salvation, and we're doing all of this by saving the earth. And when we save the earth, then we can save each other. Mm, wow. That becomes, that becomes the, the thread that is woven through all of these events to some extent. Um, even the parliament... Uh, the, the pardon me, the United Nations 75th Global Governance Forum had that that kind of flavoring throughout it too. Hey, what we're doing is we're looking to build a better world. 
We're the ones looking to build change. We're going to build back better. We are going to, and I'm, now I'm going to paraphrase here, we're building the kingdom of heaven on earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's amazing is I'm looking through uh, this guide of all the things that were talked about, the panels and the topics, um, and we're talking about this. It goes right along with this quote about the saving the earth. They're committed to saving the earth. Once you put focus on the earth and on nature, you've got to necessarily believe that man is the problem, and we've got to control population and go on down that road. But they talk about sustainable development goals. They talk about climate govern. There's a climate governance commission um, driving exponential climate action. This is just an ecological threat register. These things that you sent to me, Carl, it, it it's not surprising. But I think most Americans, maybe even most Canadians, would would be thinking, well, wait a minute. No, this this isn't. They can't possibly. This is the United Nations, right? They are supposed to unite for a common good. Why are they focusing on some of these radical environmental policies? They've been pushing those radical environmental policies <laughs> for a very long time. Um David, I've, I've rubbed shoulders with some of the men who have put those policies and ideas in place going back away right to the 1970s. I've, I, I have spent a little bit of time in the past. Uh, you know, the, the individual, who's, who, he's uh, gone already. He's passed away. But Maurice Strong, back in 1999, I was at a world government event, a world federalist event, where he was one of the speakers. We spent a day together. Uh, he was from Manitoba. I'm from Manitoba. That became a, a common a common point that that I could sit down with him and have, we we sat down together for lunch we sat down together for supper. Um, it's an understanding that uh, again the United Nations has had a a significant hand in laying out the environmental movement. Uh, I bring this out in Game of Gods. It's an important part of the puzzle hmm. of, of trying to develop the idea of one world. Where then do we find our sense of loyalty and purpose? Well, it has to be, it has to, be to the earth. It has to be to nature. And this plays out biblically. This is Romans chapter 1, mm-hmm. where we worship and serve the creation, not the Creator. And if you read Romans chapter 1, you realize very quickly that there's a correlation between when you worship and serve the creation, then there is social, sexual, gender changes that come with it. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're seeing today. It walks hand in hand, and I can trace it. It is completely observable. Mm-hmm. It's traceable. In the late 1960s, mid-1960s, when the idea of ecology began to really take shape, then in 1972 you had the very first, what would be considered the first Earth Summit. It was it had a different title, but it was an environmental summit, all the way to the 1992 Real Earth Summit, which set the stage for everything from climate change to biodiversity. When we come back, we, we want to jump into the United Nations. We often hear that, uh, you know, obviously America is not being benefited by being that. They obviously are against Trump, who want, who is not really supportive of the U.N., and the U.N. is often portrayed as an ineffective body. But from what you're saying and from what you've researched, it's really just the opposite. They've done a lot of damage. More with Carl Teichrib when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. 
Our guest today, Carl Teichrib, author of Game of Gods, a phenomenal book, a great resource, and the subtitle, The Temple of Man in the Age of Reenchantment. And it is a massive work, friends. There's so much research that went into this. Um, but I want to quote Carl. I think I stole this from your Facebook page. <laughs> okay, I borrowed it. Stole is a harsh word. The UN, United Nations, is often portrayed as an ineffective body, a Cold War leftover without relevance. There is truth to this. However, many of its campaigns have directly impacted your world. Climate change, carbon taxes, environmental bureaucracy, global citizenship education in public schools. These and more are products of the international community gaining traction at UN summits and forums before being adopted by national and state governments. And that's a quote from you. Go ahead and expound on that, Carl. Just, just take this home and just make sure people understand that this is not, not just happening over at some UN meeting. It's happening right here in our culture, in our society, in North America. Well, I'm glad you quoted that because it's a true statement. There is an ineffectual aspect to the United Nations. In fact, we often talk about how, how you know, it doesn't have teeth and it's not a doesn't have power. But boy, over the last number of decades, it has had a tremendous amount of influence in setting the narrative for what national governments deem to be important. The climate issue is a, is one example that cannot be divorced from the United Nations. My country, Canada, I pay a carbon tax specifically built around what was discussed at the United Nations decades ago. In fact, uh, back in the year 2000, when I was a part of the United Nations Millennium Forum, and I had attended um, specifically because back then I was researching and spending a lot of time interacting with the World Federalist community, uh, the working group that I was a part of, which was Rebuilding World Order, that working group, we discussed specifically the creation of, of carbon taxes to help pay for global governance. Hmm. And so while on one hand we look at the United Nations, and I hear this a lot from, from the American side specifically, saying, oh, they're, they're you know, a bloated bureaucracy, and they are, no argument. Uh, they don't have a lot of teeth. They don't have a lot of power. Mm, you're right. They're not a government in the way that we're thinking. They're not a national government or a national system. You can't compare it to the nation, uh, the national system. But it does have tremendous influence, especially in other parts of the world. And it's had a tremendous amount of influence in how political parties in your country how the academic system in your country, how the, the uh, educational system in your country thinks and acts and behaves and helps set the tone for what we all of a sudden in our culture go, this is important. So climate change is one example, biodiversity issues, uh, global citizenship education in public schools. Listen, the very first internationalist event I went to was back in 1997 on restructuring and rebuilding Canada's educational curriculum hmm. to adopt global citizenship values <laughs> where we had our we were, where we had our allegiance and loyalty to earth not Canada 
Wow. Isn't that the big so, push, though? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. You know, so I, I, I know going back to the 1990s, because I've been researching this, oh, golly, since the early 1990s and then full-time since 1997. Back in 1997, Gary Cobb brought me on as his, as his researcher, and I was there for four years. Um, but what strikes me is the, the – back in the 1990s, we were already warning about this. And, and the typical response we'd be getting from people would be like, ah, well, you know, that's off in the future. This isn't really happening. Uh, they didn't see a personal relevance to it. Now, I'm sorry, but your kids have adopted, your kids have adopted this. Mm-hmm. Your churches have adopted this. Your state, city, counties have adopted these ways of thinking. Um, it's now we're totally enmeshed in it. We don't even see it. We have our heads buried in the sand. Time to take our heads out of the sand and look around. Yes, amen, brother. And in, in chapter 11 of your book, The Cult of World Order, it's just a couple of quotes here. Well, I just want to mention one of them. It says, The old world is dead. Let the new one arise from its ashes. Arise, the new world order shall. Before we run out of time, Carl, I want to jump to some of these points, these action points that were discussed at the UN Global Governance Forum. And I want to jump to number five because it mentions uh, COVID. It's uh, supporting the United Nations system alongside the IMF and World Bank in developing a post-COVID economic and social reset. Can you explain a little bit of what that is all about? (laughs) A little bit, David. It is the idea that we are entering an era where everything will be shaken from the foundation to the very rooftop itself. Mm-hmm. And we have to have a new international financial order that will go with it. We need a complete reset. This is a debt reset. This is a monetary reset. This is a reset away from nationalism uh, and, the, and the nation state to multilateralism and global governance. This is... Uh, the idea of a systematic change, hmm. and we are, we are, we are moving towards that. That is that is what is being promised. Now things are going to hinge on what happens in your country, because if the Democrats get in, they will go along with this to some extent. In fact, they fit hand in glove with that line of thinking. Hmm. If the Republicans get in, you're going to see uh, more pushback again against against this as as the progressive and the conservative side uh, clash over what the vision of what the future should look like, because that's ultimately what this ends up boiling down to. Mm. Here's something for your audience to keep in mind, though. Regardless who gets in in this coming up election, the world stage is still being set for some type of world order, some type of world governance system. It may not look exactly as what the UN is portraying now, but the the vision is there. It's moving forward, nevertheless. Uh, one of the organizations backing the UN 2020 program uh, came out with a roadmap to 2023. I've got the, the chart in front of me. Wow! And it is a, a suggested roadmap of events that should take place from September 2020, when we had the high level uh, high level uh, summit on the future we want going to February 2022, to June, to October 2022, to finally ending September 2023 with the idea that that year 
in September of 2023, we'll have a world summit on inclusive global governance. And so there is this dedicated push, regardless who gets in power, we're going to be pushing forward to this for this global agenda. We're moving forward. We're moving forward. We're moving forward. And this is why I, I, I hope if Trump gets into power, that we as Christians don't go to sleep on that watch either. Oh, my goodness. It doesn't matter who. Yes. You know, if it's Republican or Democrat, Christians, we need to wake up, uh, quit going to sleep on the watch of the Republicans when they come into power, and then waking up when the Democrats come into power. Quit. Just wake up. Wake up to the fact that the world, the world is saying we need to build a new Babel. We need to build a new messianic system. And recognize that ultimately, ultimately, this is a question of who do you trust? Do you trust the God who is the creator of the world, or do you trust man who is a part of the creation of the world? Which one do you trust? God or man. We can almost simplify the entire battle in those three words, God or man. Um, Carl Teichrib, we've got like three and a half minutes left, and there's a slide in your presentation that I found it to be very fascinating. It says school ideas. It's got kids in a classroom, and they're talking about coming up with ideas. It says, make it a virus, no inoculation, infect everyone. What are they talking about there? <laughs> that was that came out of the Global Citizenship 2000 Youth Congress that I attended back in 1997. <laughs> right, and that was the working group that I was with. It was a little subgroup within, within that conference. Uh, and they were university students. And they recognized that what we were discussing was a worldview shift, a spiritual, political, because the two of them are combined, a spiritual, political, worldview shift. And they recognized that this idea of global citizenship needs to become a virus a worldview virus, and we need to infect everybody with this virus of global loyalty and global citizenship. No inoculation. Infect everyone. Mm. And that's exactly what has been going on. Wow. I see. Uh, even back then, they're talking about Earth pride, right? And that was, mm -hmm. you know, this. it's just fascinating how this has progressed. I don't like to use that word progressed when it comes to something that is destructive and damaging and godless, but it has progressed into this massive movement now that affects not only uh, the secular culture and politics. Like you said a couple minutes ago, it does affect Christians. Carl Teicher, we've got like a minute and a half left. Um, how can Christians respond to this with, with faith, knowing that uh, we're, we're up against it here because so, so much is going on this year? First, don't respond to it in fear. Pardon me, don't react to it mm -hmm. in fear. Respond to it in love. Respond to it in truth. This gives us an opportunity. These events give us an opportunity to be able to say to our friends, to our family, to our neighbors, hey, you know, uh, you, did you see what happened in the news the other day? This is part of a bigger picture. Mm. And hopefully use this as a launching pad to be able to go into what is ultimate truth? And where do we put our ultimate hope and trust? Again, is it in man or is it in God? I view this as an important, uh, this is important for us to understand the times that we live in, but it also affords us the opportunity to speak truth into this time as well. And so I say, hey, don't let fear rule you. Rather, let's now find a way of, of using this as an opportunity 
to launch into those very important, those vital discussions that impact each soul individually. Who do you trust? man, or God. Amen. Use it as an opportunity for outreach. As you mentioned, uh, use it like Paul did in Acts chapter 17 when he uh, was in Athens uh, to the idols and the unknown God and telling them who the true God was. Carl Teichrib, we're going to have to do this again. I want to know more about uh, this Global Governance Forum, and we're going to have to have you back. Can you, can you do that, my friend? Absolutely. All right, we'll reschedule you and get you on again. And when we find out, probably by the time we get you on again, we'll know who the president is of the United States. Hey, God bless you, brother. Thanks again. All right, when we come back, we'll let you know our guests the rest of this week on Stand Up For The Truth. Keep it right here. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now, we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. All right, we're uh, thankful to have education expert Alex Newman on tomorrow. We will be talking about the deep state and education issues along with the political battle. You will hear from Pastor Paul Blair on Wednesday. He pastors out of Edmond, Oklahoma, part of the Liberty Pastors, uh, one of the Patriot uh, podcasts we put in the Best of 2020 Patriots and Pastors it's a blog from last week. We posted at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Uh, jumping ahead to Friday, uh, Eric Jackson, he's a young pastor from up north. He's going to be with us, and we're going to talk about wild Christianity. So uh, another packed week. And then next week is our fundraiser. Next Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, we will not be doing a podcast because we will, we'll still be here talking on the airwaves. It will just not be a podcast because we are going to be doing a fundraiser. You can go to... StandUpForTheTruth.com or Q90FM.com, and you can pledge your financial support safe and secure online. If you'd like to support this podcast and this radio station locally, regionally, we just appreciate your prayers and your support. So that's uh, Q90FM.com if you'd like to pledge. Thank you so much. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter.